Many of our readings during this Easter season are from the book of Acts as we're following Jesus' followers as they carry on after his resurrection. And this passage beginning in the beginning of the 11th chapter. Now the apostles and the believers who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also accepted the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him saying, Why did you go to uncircumcised men and eat with them? Then Peter began to explain it to them, step by step, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in the trance I saw a vision. There was something like a large sheet coming down from heaven being lowered by its four corners, and it came close to me. As I looked at it closely, I saw four-footed animals, beasts of prey, reptiles, and birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I replied, By no means, Lord, for nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a second time the voice answered from heaven, What God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times. Then everything was pulled up again to heaven. At that very moment, three men sent to me from Caesarea, arrived at the house where we were. The Spirit told me to go with them and not to make a distinction between them and us. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will give you a message by which you and your entire household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as it had upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I? that I could hinder God. When they heard this, they were silenced, and they praised God, saying, Then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. The word of the Lord. Why? Why in the world are you doing that? What, what were you thinking? Don't you love it when you get asked a question that really isn't a question at all? It's more of a rebuke than somebody actually wanting a response. You've had that happen, haven't you? Simon Peter has that happen in our scripture reading. He's criticized. Criticized for what he's doing. And he's asked this question, I think, not because the askers really want to understand, but they they want to rebuke him. Why did you go to uncircumcised men and eat with them? Peter's asked. 
And so he tells this story, a story that he summarizes in the 11th chapter of Acts, but a story that actually starts in the 10th chapter of Acts. It's one of the longest stories in the New Testament. And maybe it's told in such length because it's such an important lesson for followers of Jesus. It's a story that doesn't actually start with with Peter, but it starts with with Cornelius. Cornelius is part of the Italian cohort. Did you know that there were Italians in the scriptures? There were. There were. He's a Roman soldier, and you may remember that the the Romans, they occupied Israel at that time. So he's a, a foreign army officer. But he also is described as a as a, devout, as a devout man who, who feared God, who gave generously and prayed continuously. So Cornelius isn't the kind of person that you can just put in a neat little box and he fits just in that little box. But Cornelius, he has this, this vision that he should send some people to Joppa to, to meet this guy named Peter. And about the time that Cornelius is having this vision, Peter is over in in Joppa, and he's hungry. He's on the roof praying, and he's hungry. And as he retells in our reading, he's praying, and and he has this trance-like vision, and this sheet comes down from heaven. And I tried to find a good picture of it so that you could envision it, but all that I could find is the Spark Story Bible version of it. So this sheet comes down, and, and... This voice says, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter looks and he sees a pig on there and he says, no way, I can't eat that. And three times, three times that that voice comes and says, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. And then Cornelius' friends show up at the door And Peter welcomes them in. And the next day, Peter goes to Cornelius' place. And as he walks in, he says to Cornelius, you yourself know that it is unlawful for a Jew to associate or visit a Gentile. And then he says, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone profane, or unclean. And then Peter tells them about Jesus and the Spirit falls upon them much like it fell upon the the early disciples at the beginning of Acts. And Peter baptizes Cornelius, this man of the Italian cohort and all of his household. And then word gets back to the other followers. And that's when the other followers, what? In the world were you thinking, why did you do that? And Peter tells the story of what he experienced, of how he saw God at work. You see, Peter, Peter and his fellow Jewish followers, they they knew the rules. They knew the traditions. They knew the, what the scriptures said about what to eat and what not to eat, about who to eat with and not to eat with. 
And yet when they were following Jesus, this Jewish rabbi, they saw him over and over again break the rules. They saw Jesus over and over again reach out to those people who were said to be outcasts. Over and over again, Jesus reached out to heal people who were hurting. He'd even break the rules and heal them on the Sabbath. He'd go and eat with people that you weren't supposed to eat with. Over and over again, they watched Jesus do that. To share the good news of God's love with people. And Peter and his fellow followers of Jesus, they were sent by Jesus to go and share that love, that good news, that grace. And so they went, sometimes pushed and prodded by the Spirit. And often the Spirit led them to to let go of the rules that their scriptures stated for the sake of the relationships with others, for the sake of sharing the good news. And when you pay attention to the stories in the scriptures, you will notice that over and over again, the faithful people in the scriptures, they're struggling with with how how to read the scriptures and how to apply those scriptures to their contemporary realities. And so in, in Jesus' day and in the book of Acts, you see people looking back at the scriptures that were written a thousand years earlier and, and trying to make sense. How, how does this work if I'm not supposed to eat pork, but I'm to share the good news with this Italian dude? And time and time again, you'll see the Spirit prodding people to go beyond those simple boxes that they have created. Because God is out there, and they're called to catch up. The institutions of old that were taken for granted are interrupted by God, and the categories people assume to be absolute and ultimate, they're challenged. And the struggle of Jesus and his followers to apply those scriptures, it doesn't stop within the pages of the scriptures. Followers of Jesus have struggled with that since the scriptures were written. Think about our country, for example. Think about our country. One of the foundational realities of our country was this thing called slavery. Right? It was just part and parcel of the beginning of the United States. And people used scriptures to justify slavery. To rationalize people owning other people. And there's a lot in the scriptures that justifies that. And yet, people of faith also, they also said, wait a minute, if every person is created in the image of God, then people, it's not right for people to own people. Right? Does that make sense? And so even though scriptures talk about slaves obey your masters, People of faith, because of their following Jesus, have said, no, no, slavery is wrong. And it's not merely slavery. People of faith have struggled to think about, for example, the role of women, the role of women in society and in family, in the church, 
And people still struggle over that. And there are churches that, that will say, well, because of what it says in the scriptures, we, we won't have women pastors. We won't have women council presidents. And others say, no, we're made in the image of God. And in the scriptures, we see women preaching the first Easter sermon. <laughs> and it's not just the role of women. Ten years ago this summer, our church, the ELCA, was really struggling about how do we include gay and lesbian people who are already part of our families and our churches? How do we think about that? And after the decision was made by the church-wide assembly, there were people who said, what in the world were you thinking? Why, why did you do that? And as followers of Jesus, we continue. We continue to discern how the Spirit is leading us and how to make sense of the Scriptures and apply them to our contemporary relationships and realities. New Testament scholar Brian Peterson writes this, reflecting on this passage from Acts 10. The church's Spirit-led experience has brought new insights regarding things like slavery, racial equality and justice, women's ordination, and LGBTQ dignity. Some of that may look obvious in history's rearview mirror. We look in the rearview mirror at slavery and we go, oh yeah, that's obvious. Still encountering the spirit who is alive and pushing the church in new and astonishing directions can be frightening. <laughs> can be frightening. However, the spirit is not random and incoherent. The spirit is always pushes the church into greater practice of God's love for all people of the world. Spirit pushes the church into greater practice of God's love for all people of the world. As I've been thinking about this, this passage and pondering it, praying about it the last couple of weeks, I, I keep thinking about, about Bethlehem's values. Peter, why in the world did you do that? <laughs> because he's been following Jesus. Here at Bethlehem, our, our core values, the first of them is that Jesus is the center. And our second value is about loving God and loving our neighbor. Because when Jesus is asked, what's the most important commandment? What rules center of it all? Jesus says, love God, love your neighbor as you love yourself. We embrace God's creation. We see that God's creation is good. And we embrace that. And we learn from the world, from the word and from the world, and like the people in the scriptures, we struggle with how to interpret and apply those scriptures to our, to our lives. With Jesus as the lens for how we do that. And we partner. We partner with one another. Men and women, young and old, children and adults, we partner together to share God's love. When someone asks you, 
why in the world are you doing that? I hope and pray that your faith is shaping why you do that. And that you'll remember this this long story from, from the book of Acts of Simon Peter. You remember Simon Peter. He's the disciple who Jesus said, you'll deny me three times. And Peter said, no, I won't. And then what does Peter do? Denies him three times. And then after the resurrection, Jesus meets Peter and he asks him, do you love me? Peter says, yeah, I love you. And he says, feed my sheep. And he asks him a second time, do you love me? And he asks him a third time, do you love me? (laughs) And now this same Peter and Acts, he sees this sheet and is told to take and eat. And he says, no, no, no. How many times? Three times. How many of you are ever slow to catch up with what God's trying to tell you? (laughs) I I don't think I've ever made it with just three times. (laughs) This passage is such good news for me and for you because... I don't know any of us that grew up on the inside as Jews. And because of Peter's willingness to follow and to share the good news with those outside of the Jewish community, others have been able to share that good news with us. And so you, your life has been caught up in this amazing grace of God. Because God has created you, and God will not call you profane or unclean. Because you are made in the image of God, and saved by the grace of God, in Jesus' name, amen.